Friday, folks. David Jimshong here for another week of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. It is an absolutely beautiful day. I'm feeling the vibes, man. I'm looking forward to good things this weekend. Getting to see a couple of previous guests uh, slash friends of the show like Wax and the Smith Street Band and maybe a couple of hopeful future guests in there among the ranks as well. But that's another story for another time. Right now, I want to take you to a chat I had a few months ago. This is with Cadian James. Cadian is the lead singer, or one of the vocalists at least, uh, and one of the guitarists uh, in the Chicago band Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks came to Australia earlier this year for a run of shows with previous guests of the show Skeggs. It was only their second time in Australia, and uh, they seem to have an absolute blast. I caught them twice on that tour and just uh, really brought the house down. Like uh, Skeggs definitely had their work cut out for them, uh, having them as a support act. So, yeah, really, really fun, really just high-energy garage rock with uh, a lot of heart and... Uh, yeah, just a loss for life, you know? Felt really good watching them. Really, really enjoyed it. So this happened on the third day that Twin Peaks were at the Metro uh, for their fourth and final show with Skeggs. And a big thanks to uh, my good friend Ian Laidlaw for helping to set this one up. It was a pretty quick, pretty breezy chat. Uh, yeah, Caden's a pretty no-bullshit guy and can tell... Some pretty great stories as well. Uh, yeah, it, it was cool to yeah have a pretty new experience of of doing this with someone that I didn't really know, that I'd only just met. I think that's the great thing about this podcast, that I can get into it with people that I've known for years, but I can also get into it with more or less total strangers, and that's kind of what Cadian was uh, going into this. But uh, I'd like to think we struck up a bit of a rapport, uh, and yeah, really enjoyed watching Twin Peaks, and really hope that they come back sometime soon when they put out their new album, which will hopefully be sometime in 2019. That's just about it from me. Got a few more episodes before we take a break over Christmas. But until then, this podcast is made possible with your ongoing support. Every little bit is massively, massively appreciated. As usual, I know you hear this from every single podcast that you listen to, but if you could rate and review over on Apple Podcasts, that would be fantastic. It helps us get out to the right people. Every little bit is massively, massively appreciated. For as little as $1 a month, $12 a year, grand total, you can support this podcast over on Patreon. This is an entirely homemade DIY operation. Every little bit goes back into supporting this podcast and supporting me financially. So, if you'd like to get on board and help to support independent Australian podcasting, then you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash barbands. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash barbands. If you want to get in touch, barbandspod at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at barbandspod, B-A-R-B-A-N-D-S-P-O-D. And you can head over to all my friends are in barbands.com for any additional information you might need. All right, let's get into it. This is Katie and James from Twin Peaks. Damn good. 
and all my friends are in bar bands. Today, I would like to introduce you to my friend, Cadian James. Hi, how's it going? I'm going very well. How are you, mate? Doing great. Enjoying being here in Sydney. It's really having a blast. Yes, indeed. It is uh, Sunday afternoon and uh, Twin Peaks are about to play their fourth of four shows at the Metro in Sydney. Uh, kind of a residency, really. Uh, spent the whole weekend here. How's it been going? I mean, I wish every tour was like this. Uh, <laughs> You know, usually in the States or Europe, wherever we go, it's uh, you play a show, you get in town, you load in, you play a show, you load out right afterwards, just spend the night, hop in the van, drive for five hours to get to the next place. Yeah. So it's really a treat and almost like vacation to get to come to a city and stay at the whole, same hotel for five nights and keep playing shows, no load in, no load out. Yeah. It's, uh, if we feel pampered, it's very nice. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, so, yes, uh, the tour is in support of our previous guests of the show, Skeggs. Uh, how did this one come up? Did you guys meet at uh, any particular point along the way, or was it kind of just like a management, like, you guys should tour together kind well, of thing? I think Skeggs are just fans of our band. Yeah. Um, we we know some of their buddies, the guys in Dune Rats. So, uh, uh, yes. you know, maybe that's how uh, people out here heard about us, I'm not sure. But they just reached out to us, and I guess, you know, the band really was into our stuff, and they... Uh, they really went out of their way to make it affordable for us to come here, and uh, you know, it's it's hard to get to Australia as a band from the states. Same mm. with bands from Australia to the states. Yeah, sure. Just so you lose a lot of money, so they really went out of their way to make it, you know, so we weren't going to lose all of our money. Is uh, this your first time here? We were here once before in, I want to say May 2016. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Just did a quick three shows: Melbourne, Brisbane and Sydney over like four nights so it was really quick uh, kind of a blur we don't remember a lot from it because we got home and the day we got home to Chicago we did the release show for our third record Down in Heaven and went on tour so it was a precursor to a long time out on the road uh, so this is much more relaxing and yeah. fun there's people at the shows which is great mm, so different than last time what do you remember about playing a show on 20 plus hours jet lag uh, well, here's the thing. We don't remember a lot from that yeah. tour. So. I was going to say, like, is there anything that sticks in your mind at all? We, uh, we, I remember we, we stopped the other day at this uh, Salvation Army, and then it took two minutes into being there, we were like, oh, we came here last time we were here. Yeah. Why did it take us so long to recognize this? Like, yeah. it was just such a blur. But uh, uh, a funny story from that first time we were there, I think it was in Brisbane, uh, we played a show, and there was maybe five people there for a set. And yeah. then after we played, there was an Avril Lavigne cover band, and the place got fucking packed. Dude. And we were just like, God fucking damn it. This is so frustrating. <laughs> oh. uh, so it feels good to be here. You know, we, we had a great show in Sydney last time we were here. It sold out 250 people over at, uh, what is it, under, uh, something underground? or Oxford Arts? Oh, the Oxford Arts. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So we had a good show in Sydney. Brisbane was a bummer. So it seems like a lot of this tour is sold out, and we've had an enthusiastic response from Skeg's fans. Scabs are great. So it's just a much more you know fun and exciting time to be Fuck here. Yeah. Unreal. So I begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed from something where maybe you were listening to it on the radio, watching on TV, etc., to being like, 
this is what I want to do, I want to sing, I want to play guitar, I want to be in a band, all that sort of stuff. Like, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your upbringing and uh, like how music kind of factored into it. Well, one of my earliest memories of, you know, getting a song stuck in my head and like really being enraptured by it past just, you know, enjoying it was maybe five or six years old, Beatles 1 had just come out, oh, The Greatest yeah. Hits, Yes. and I just have a very clear memory of putting Get Back on repeat and pacing around this little coffee table in my parents' house over and over again, singing along and, you know, wanting to learn how to play it, and uh, it was really, it started for me more seriously uh, when my brother was a drummer and he put together a band doing three or four covers for a school battle of the bands or talent show. Yeah. And he's three years older than me, but they didn't have a bassist and they weren't looking for one, but I said, if I learn how to play bass for the songs, can I play with you guys? And they said, oh yeah, sure, I guess. It was just Misfits covers, you know. Yeah, sick. But uh, my dad bought me a bass, and uh, a cheap bass, which was great on my dad's part. Just day of, he said, you want one? Let's go get one. Uh, so he hooked it up and you know supported me. And I learned songs, and th there was one song I couldn't play because it was too hard. Like it was one by Metallica or something. Oh, yeah. So I just held my bass and ran through the halls of the of the auditorium um, and got in trouble for doing that but uh, you know immediately just loved performing and mm. playing and then a year into it bass felt almost too simple for me which was bullshit but <laughs> I wanted to want to play guitar so I got a guitar and started teaching myself and then started writing songs and learning how to use GarageBand and it just you know totally grabbed hold of my mind and, uh, being able to make, uh, you know, we're so lucky in this day and age to have, you know, you have a computer at the house, you can record music. Yeah. And having a garage band, I just started making demos, recording songs when I was like 11 or 12 I started, maybe 13, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. somewhere around there, and you know, to put on headphones and close your eyes and listen to this little world you made of your own. Yeah. Just totally was my favorite thing in the world since I could do it. You grew up in Chicago? Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. Where, like... In the in the CBD or like so like in the city, uh, I grew up in this neighborhood, Rogers Park, which is the last neighborhood on the north side before you hit the suburbs. Right, but yeah, it's yeah. a really great neighborhood, one of the most diverse wards in the country. Very hip ethnic uh, cultural spot, and that was really great for me. There was all sorts of different music coming through my dad's restaurant growing up. This Cuban band Mez Club would come by once a year, and they'd stay at our house, and they'd have. You know, ten Cubans staying at the house, yeah, uh, which was really cool, and all sorts of jazz artists and folk artists. Jefferson Starship, they would play. Uh, Fuck yeah! His restaurant, which really speaks a lot for how much he fell off, Paul Kettner. But <laughs> um, I remember he got uh, he was pissed he couldn't smoke on stage, and he put out a cigarette on the carpeted floor at the restaurant. And, really pissed everyone off so fuck you Paul Kettner uh, you're not too much of a rock star anymore but yeah uh, always just surrounded by it when was the first time you played live uh, it would have been this talent show Battle of the Bands with my yeah. brother when I was in fourth grade fourth so grade. I guess like uh, 11 yeah. Unreal. Yeah. And did you, I'm assuming you had bands through high school and stuff like that. Yeah, it was right after that that uh, I started playing covers with Jack, the bassist in Twin Peaks. Mm. And uh, he had a song where he had lyrics and a vocal melody for it. And I figured out an arrangement for it on guitar. And we'd play open mics and battle the bands at school. And we hosted our school battle the bands when we were in eighth grade. We were just kind of the music kids. Mm. We got selected to learn how to use the board at our school's auditorium, and we'd get pulled out of class to run the soundboard. Yeah. You know, we missed so much class for it. It was fucking great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of times, you set up a mic. 
and all you have to have is one mic on and mute it at the end. But we'd miss a whole day at school just to do that. And uh, that was great. I mean, it taught me a little bit about using a board, but also just got me out of class, which is yeah. great. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I just kept playing with him. And then when I was in eighth grade, uh, started a band with my brother where it's just a two-piece. And, you know, we looked up to this site. Uh, it's connected to Hozak Records from Chicago. But uh, right. there was some website that I'm blanking on what it's called now. But they had a top of the slop, a song each week. Right. And we got a song from MySpace on the top of the slop. Uh, we were so excited about that, and I played two shows with him before he didn't want to play it anymore. But uh, yeah, I just started playing more seriously at clubs when I was in eighth grade, and then going into high school. Me and Jack put together the band with Connor, the drummer in Twin Peaks, and mm. a friend Lucas who used to play keyboards with us. And we started playing shows regularly, and then kind of got into the DIY scene in Chicago, playing house shows when we were seventeen, starting to drink a little bit, go to parties, and play. Yeah, yeah. Clay joined the band. He was in another band we used to play with, and uh, we just said, "Well, why don't you play in our band? Because you know you're fucking good. You should play with us." <laughs> and uh, thus we done Twin Peaks, and we started recording, playing songs. Uh, we turned 18. We were done with high school, and we said, "Well, why don't we do a tour across the states before we go to college? Like a wow. last hurrah." Yeah. Because we knew a lot of DIY bands who so would just play house shows across the country, and we said, yeah. "We can fucking do this." And so our friend Lucas, who played keyboards at that time. If you're out there, Lucas, and you hear this, get in touch. I've been trying to reach you for years. Uh, <laughs> uh, he booked this tour. It was really incredible what he put together. And we uh, and you booked him that in the MySpace age, too. Yeah, so yeah. Like <laughs> and, uh, you know, band camp, finding bands, seeing where they played at their town. Oh, they yeah. play in this basement. Let's reach out to the people who run that house venue. Yeah. You know, just all DIY stuff. We realized we had nothing to sell, and so we had an eight-song set we were doing, and we recorded it in my basement the week before we left, and that was our first record, Sunken. Yeah, wow. Um, which later got picked up by Adam Tone Records and put out, and we quit school to go to South By. So all kind of just grassroots fell into place, and now it's our livelihood and career, and it's yeah. a much bigger operation. That's surreal. Like, I, I talk to a lot of people where usually they have like a bunch of bands that come in and out of their lives before they settle on... like thing that people kind of know them for but it seems like Twin Peaks has kind of been part of your life like for a really so, good like, chunk of it now yeah I mean I'm 24 I've been playing with these guys since I was 14 or 15 so yeah, almost right. you know 10 years uh, seriously 6 years since we started touring and all but yeah yeah, it's been, been a long time and what do you I remember about it being a long more time <laughs> yeah what do you remember about that first tour uh, I mean it was the first time that I drove like road trips out to the west coast my family always went to the east coast growing up of america to visit grandparents and stuff but i'd never visited the west coast which is you know uh famously beautiful portion of our country yeah yeah uh and so just hopping in a van and starting to go west and seeing from the shocking of our van that you know we'd just gotten saying holy shit like look at all this beautiful shit i didn't know existed yeah you know totally. and I remember playing in Missoula, Montana, a little college town. There was this house uh, that they were getting evicted, and they were doing 30 shows in 30 days. <laughs> All these train hopper kids hanging out. We're 18, uh, and they bought us a couple of cases, and we didn't end up playing until 3 a.m. And I remember the, the lady who booked us and ran the house, she came up at one point, like, you know, 2 a.m., and we're halfway through the second case of beer, and she's like, are you guys going to be okay to play? And we're like, ah, yeah, no problem. Yeah. It's going to be great. We fucking slayed it. It was great. Woo. We had a great time. And just classic stuff like that. Uh, you crashing on floors, uh, sleeping in the van, uh, 
you know, fucking popping tires on the highway, pulling over, thinking we're going to die. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was really a wonderful time. And I remember being in Austin towards the end of the tour. We did 19 shows in 21 days, from Chicago up towards Seattle, down towards L.A., then around to Texas and back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were getting to Austin and going and having a burrito with Clay while other guys were sleeping and just being like, why are we going to school? Like, why are we not... We should just do this. We're good at this. This is so much fun. We love yeah. this. What the fuck? And we're hyping each other up, and we go back, and we're talking to the guys who say, guys, we should just do this. And they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? We already paid for college. We got to go to college. You guys are stupid. You know, not stupid, but... Yeah, they were, they were like, what are you talking about? And then a couple, you know, me, Connor, and Jack are all going to the same college. Our three dads get in the van with us. So it's three dads and three sons driving in the band van out to Washington State to go to school. We get a call during the car ride out there from Autumn Tone Records and say, hey, we want to put out your record and bring it to South By. We're like, cool, so I guess we're just doing a couple weeks of school and then we're going to leave. So we knew before we even got there that we were going to drop out and it just happened. Wow. Yeah, been a roller coaster. Oof, holy shit. It must have been a weird transition going from, like, kind of that DIY background to, like, playing quote-unquote real venues. Yeah, it was, it was gradual for a long time. We would still do house shows. And then I remember hitting a point where it was like, we can't really play DIY shows in Chicago at all anymore because it's just like the cops are going to come. We yeah. Find out there's going to be too many people. Um, and, you know, there's still a lot of DIY stuff going on in Chicago. It's moved further and further out to the south and west sides. Uh, a lot of places have shut down. And I'm not too hip to where it's going on anymore. And also, it's just, yeah, I think we outgrew, outgrew it as a, as a band with how many people are going to come see us, yeah, which sure. uh, I miss it in a lot of ways. But also, don't mind why we can't do it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Everyone, every band always, like, across their trajectory, always has, like, this different notion of making it, whether it is, you know, like, getting a song from your MySpace featured on something or, you know, like, selling out a hometown show or anything like that. Like, is there any kind of points, you know, along the trajectory of the band where you kind of had that feeling where you're just like, holy shit, you know, this is this is it? I think we continue to have that uh, feeling time and time again, whether it was, fuck, we went on a tour and we made it to our first tour. Mm. Uh, fuck, we, you know, sold out three nights at Talia Hall in Chicago, 3,000 people. You know, fuck, hopefully we can pay our health insurance in a couple of years. Yeah. I moved out of my mom's house, you know, shit like that. And I think, you know, it'll continue to be that until hopefully one day I can say, fuck, I bought a house. You yeah. know, if I can retire off of the band one day or, you know, 40 years from now, I'll feel like that's when I know I actually made it through the career mm. uh, rather than just making it for a while and saying, oh, mm. well, now i got to get a job. Yeah. Uh, so if I can, I can continue to do this my whole life without having to get a job, That'll be the final testament if I made it. Yeah. <laughs> I got a long time to figure it out. Sure, 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 sure. And yeah, it also seems like, you know, a lot of the same core group of people have kind of been with the band for like this whole time. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, like through everything, what has kind of kept that core group of people together? I think it just takes a lot of communication. You know, we, we all get mad at each other sometimes, but we've been doing it forever. This is all we know. We talk through our bullshit, we yell at each other, and we talk about it, we settle it. Love, compassion, patience. We've kept the grassroots. We never never try to let things get out of hand where we don't understand what's happening with our band and people are making calls that we don't know about. It's always been 
us as a democratic unit, and that's really important. You know, we split all the money equally. It's just we're all equal parts of Twin Peaks, and that's really important. We've only ever had one manager. We've had the same booking agent the entire time. We've been with the same label for three records. You know, it's just finding a family and a community and yeah. keeping that together and knowing that's important and uh, to be close and uh, comfortable with the people you work with. Beautiful. I think it's uh, an overlooked facet for a lot of people in the industry. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so we'll wrap it up here, but before we do that, I ask this of all of my guests, and now it is your turn, sir. I want to know about the best and the worst shows that you have ever played. Hell, shit. Tough question. <laughs> That's why I said it's the last. Well, I'll just start with the best first. That's easier. Uh, best show ever, we've ever played was uh, a run of three shows in Chicago this past New Year's. Uh, we worked really hard and practiced our asses off to play like an hour and a half set with different songs three nights in a row I think we did like 36 different songs over three nights had a three piece horn section two backing vocalists percussion player 11 piece band with the whole thing you know we hung a fucking motorcycle above the drummer uh, we had confetti flying out everywhere Fuck. we uh, had a we ripped off flaming lips and blew up the giant balloon at midnight oh, on New Year's so, and, and we had different bands each night, local Chicago artists, uh, just bands we loved. And it just really felt like a celebration of, like, if we work, you know, we had never, we had lost a lot of the practice thing where you get home and you practice, you know, regularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got pretty, pay, or pretty uh, jaded with that for a while. So this is the first time we went back, and for a month we practiced our asses off to do something bigger and better than we'd ever done. Yeah. And the celebration of that and the realization of, like, man, if we work hard together look how much we can do more than we've done yeah. in so long uh, that really I think blew our minds and has stuck with us in the past year since then that, you know if did you we, go up going to shows at this venue as well or sorry the, the venue in question did you like go to shows there when you were growing up um, well it's uh, it's only open in the last like five years in Chicago but it's right. our favorite venue I do love seeing shows there yeah and it's uh, like a bigger parent venue to uh, one of the most famous dive venues in Chicago, the Empty Bottle, which we all love. Oh, yeah, it's our yeah, favorite yeah. venue. So it's yeah, like in their family, and just definitely like I think our favorite favorite place to see a show. Beautiful theater that actually sounds good, um, has great vibes. So yeah, I mean it was where we wanted to do the show. Yeah, it was yeah, it's just really special, and uh, it showed a lot of payoff for working hard together. And we've kept that up with you know this summer saying we got the summer off, but Let's go to the studio five days a week and record songs mm. and keep working. You know, mm. it's a job. You guys need to be in the band if you want to keep improving and growing. Yeah. You got to view it as like, this is our, you know, it's a career and it could be easy to be a musician. Yeah. A lot of people think it's easy work, but if you really want to go above and beyond, it's a job. You, yeah. you got to work at it and treat it like a nine to five and go to the studio, go to practice, fucking be on the road all year. It's a commitment. And, totally. uh, and it's a big payoff when you work hard to achieve that yeah so let's tear that down entirely and talk about worst the show. worst show <laughs> um okay well uh I'm 19 or 20 years old okay we're on tour and uh we get to New Orleans the first time we ever playing in New Orleans on the way down I uh was stopped at a gas station I steal a strawberry canned alcohol beverage and put it in my shorts and steal it from the gas station start drinking in the car on the way down mm-hmm. lo and behold I get fucking wasted <laughs> and uh you know we do a 
I don't remember our show. I figure it was probably decent, but it couldn't have been that great. I think I fell off stage at one point. Oh, but, no. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was all right. But then during the headliner set, uh, I'm hanging out on stage with no shirt on, just in my shorts, looking fucking shit house, <laughs> putting them on my backs and stuff. And at a certain point, I got the singer on my back and just collapse and broke my ankle. And uh, then had to do a whole tour with a broken ankle. God damn. Which the week afterwards, we thought it was just sprained. So I'm like limping on it at South by Southwest. The next day was South by Southwest. So oh, no. we're hustling, playing like four shows a day. And uh, I didn't know that it was broken. I'm sleeping up. That is the South by Southwest where we met our manager and signed with her. And there was great <laughs> things to come from it. But right. I remember limping a mile to walk to a venue to see Natural Child uh, while I'm on acid. <laughs> And with a broken leg, like you, know, you do, with no crutches or anything. <laughs> uh, so it's just crazy, and uh, resulted in a, you know, very long period of being pretty fucked up physically. Uh, but got through it. Can't really use a treadmill anymore, but I can use an elliptical, and uh, it all worked out. Perfect. But, hey, even the worst show has a happy ending. We haven't had any shows that really sucked. Yeah, I've had plenty of shows where I'm like, man, I didn't do as great as I want to. I'm a little bummed out, but you know. It's been a relatively smooth ride. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. Uh, do you have anything you would like to plug before we uh, get on out of here? What's the podcast you're called? Uh, this podcast is called All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. That's good. <laughs> uh, well, keep listening to All My Friends Are In Bar Bands. Cause it's a great <laughs> podcast. You're the man. Thanks for having me. Mate, much appreciated. Thank you so much. I'm David James Young, and All My Friends Are In Bar Bands.